is that a real like vintage thrift store baseball jersey or is that a, a fashion thing you got off of a, a real this, this is our my friend jesse's shirt he's our bass player in the band and i i stole it from him it is it is from the store from now so all right well, <laughs> yeah 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 do you guys always like share clothes i w i mean we probably will end up sharing clothes on the road this will be our first tour ever um for me it'll be my first and it'll be jesse's first but the other guys in the band they've done tours before and gone out on the road and, um but yeah it'll be a first for us it'll be fun how specific on like styling are you i know we had um a band surf curse and apparently the singer of that band um styles everyone and is very particular about how everyone dresses on stage are you gonna be sure. like that i love that band first off they're a great band um probably i mean it's kind of those are dimmy's people those are dimmy's people oh what happened threw me out yeah okay wow that was absolutely insane yeah it just like tossed me out that was crazy Sorry. yeah 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 well <laughs> We're we're here. We're we're doing, All right. we're doing our best. We're doing it. I'm so sorry. Yeah. You're good. You're good. You're good. It's raining really bad in Tennessee too, so things are getting knocked out left and right. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. what let's 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 talk about Nashville for a second, and while we're while we're here. Sure. Um, now I know you're from Northern California originally, right? Yeah. Um, why did you choose Nashville over New York or LA when it came to settling down for a musical place to be? It's a great question. I mean, first thing comes to mind is like, obviously financially, New York is expensive and paying five grand for a small studio apartment feels like a, a struggle in itself, as well as not having a car. So that was kind of enough for me to be like, unsure about New York. And then LA, it's massive. And then if you do have a car, you have to drive everywhere. And everywhere is like an hour 30 away, you know? And so- And you beat, and you beat the system because- you're you're on a major label anyway without going to LA. So you you won the game. You you like you won the the contest. You beat it. Yeah. Jeez, thank God. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I think like just you know Nashville feels right in the sense that there is a great community of people here who truly just love the the soul of songwriting and what that means. And they also just there's just good people here, you know, and they just want to be in a community with you and. It's just beautiful. It's a beautiful place. I love it. And it is beautiful visually. It's great. Yeah. You can't be, do you go out in the mountains and hike and camp and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So uh, actually my, my friend Jackie who works on the label, she came out to Tennessee and we like rented an Airbnb all the way up in, you know, the mountains. And it was just, it was amazing. It was so beautiful. Inspiring. So inspiring. <laughs> yeah. Did you write it? Did you bring your guitar with you? Do you like, right while you were camping oh yeah it was amazing it was like it was sort of like a cheat camp obviously like there was a place there with the shower and all that okay it was, it was a glamp sure, kind of situation yeah okay. for sure cheating but you know and uh in any other context if there was not a toilet we were just in like a centimeters worth of fabric covering us i would definitely bring a guitar still so <laughs> yeah well we you kind of touched on it before we had a little break in the feed but um you mentioned that you actually don't really, you're not really tired of talking about the origin of your retro sound. Yeah. Um, um, before we, uh, we get into the, the big hit, let's talk about the upbringing. 
did your parents listen to the Everly Brothers and Roy Orbison, or was it something you picked up somewhere else? Where, where did where did it come from? Man, I wish that would be so. It would have honestly. It probably. Actually, I'm glad that they didn't show me it and introduce me to it. My my grandma and grandpa they have this amazing lot of land that oversees all of San Jose because I'm from Sacramento, California originally, and so they live two hours south of me, and we would go there every three or six months, you know, and see them during the holidays, of course, and then just on a random any given day. And their property is set up where the house is sat right in the middle, and there are two barns on either side. And in both of those barns, there are stacks of boxes full of 45s and double LPs and test prints and anything you could possibly imagine. And my grandpa collected all that over a number of years and bought them from record stores and took them out of dumpsters of old radio stations back in the day. And, oh, no way. And so he would send me out into the barn at some point during the trip. My grandma would be like, hey, I'm going to make you breakfast. And then you're going to go out and you're going to go look through vinyl for the day. And I was like, say no more. Okay. Wow, what a day. <laughs> and, and at this point, too, you know, when I was growing up, I wasn't playing music. I, I was, like, in love with the idea of playing music. And... You know, so they just kind of had that small influence on me growing up where they would just send me out and then I'd bring some stuff back. My grandpa would look through it and send me out with some. And he got me my first record player that, you know, enabled me to actually listen to the vinyl that I was picking out. And and all of those artists range from the Platters and Roy Orbison and, you know, even as far back as the Ink Spots, you know, and then classic wow. Sinatra and Nat King Cole. And so I got every side of the coin possible as far as genres and artistry and big band groups that you could possibly think of growing up because of my grandparents. And so it was really great. And who got you your first guitar? Was that a, a thing that you asked for or did someone hand it to you? Oh man. I, well, so, wow, that's a good question. Oh my God. I don't even remember Oh my God. I think my mom, she got me a ukulele first, actually. So like ukulele was the start, like acoustic guitar was the goal. There was this girl in the fifth. Oh, there's a girl involved. I knew there was. The there's a girl in the fifth grade and it's not as romantic. <laughs> there's a girl in the fifth grade and she used to play classical guitar and ukulele so well. I mean, she was so adept in this craft and I was just, so jealous to the point that I just like it forced me to like to just pick it up and start doing it without knowing how to do it and like and then obviously transitioned to guitar which I think my mom got me one um but yeah and then here here we are just trying our best <laughs> Dimi have you ever have you played ukulele I honestly no oh, I've never played ukulele but I remember there was like a phase in time where ukulele was the thing. It was like the new thing. You know what I'm oh, talking yeah. about? Or it came back. I think it was like, I don't know. Wow, like years ago though. But still, there was definitely like a little phase where ukulele was like the instrument to learn how to play. Yeah. Oh yeah. Probably what you, you know, know what you're talking about. Steve, when I was listening to your, your music, you know, getting ready for this interview, I noticed you, you I, people talk about the, you know, the, the sound, the, the retro 50, 60 sound. But yeah. I also know that you do have sort of this, you know, Tennessee back porch folk aspect to your music. Um, Thanks, man. There's some 
There's, I, I, did that sound derogatory? I wasn't trying no, to. No, not at all. No, yeah. you're great. Yeah. Um, so did that, that, that sound sort of like semi country, John Denvery, Mumford and Sons kind of inspired songs. Um, you know, uh, the one that, that I think, um, you know, right off the, you know, uh, see the light is a good example of that. Sure. Um, so is, did that come from spending time in Tennessee and kind of being around the atmosphere or did you like that kind of music when you were in middle school? Wow. I mean, I grew up on Mumford and Sons, like big time. Like if it wasn't, you know, fifties and sixties music, it was Mumford and Sons, Cage the Elephant, like all these bands that were being played on independent radio, you know, for the first time, like, I mean, I think I Will Wait had like just come out and I remember that song being on the radio as well as like the band Goat, like someone I used to know and all that. And like, those were the songs that were like spun through. And- Godier, huh? Right? Huh? That, you know, I always refer to that song as being such a phenomenon because it was like really like a very indie alternative um, group that just yeah. had a it- track breakthrough so like heavily into top 40. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how cool is that? I was oh, it's so amazing. Your, your style is so refreshing in a time of like hyper pop and 808s. Are you ever tempted to like, you know, just switch up on us and- and Drop go- an 808 on one of your- Yeah, yeah, are you ever tempted? Um. Oh God, I don't know. I mean, I think it kind of, I mean, I would never, I, would, I wouldn't say I would ever dwell into like, a hyper pop sound. I think, you know, like my roots entirely lie in, you know, writing, you know, songs that have like the lyricism of a 1950s song while maybe having a singer songwriter feel. But I think now, you know, with this new record that we're going to be putting out in the summertime, it's going to be entirely 60s and 50s feeling. And so it's going to feel like an artist jumped in, you know, from 1960 and is making music now, which should be cool. Do you do you like do you like Donovan the singer Donovan? I hear a little Donovan in your voice. I, I've I never heard of Donovan. Oh, okay. I I, I um, encourage you to check out Donovan. Um, okay. When you uh, when you um, get out, he's he's got a song called "Catch the Wind," which was his first big hit. Um, that is kind of in your general atmosphere. Anyway, we'll move on. Um, I, I uh, so let's let's get it out of the way. Not get it out of the way, but I want to talk about until I found you. Um, sure. And I want to talk about um, what came first, the lyrics or the sound of I want to make an Everly Brothers, Buddy Holly type ballad, which came first, the, the song or the idea of the song, you know? Man, I think the girlfriend came first. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I, I think I, it's, a, it's a true testament to, you know, songwriting and love um, that without those that first initial, like, I mean, love should move you. It should move you to dance, to sing, to feel, and to, I mean, become an accidental poet in a way. And I'm a big romantic as it is, you know, I don't think I'd be a very good songwriter, especially one who wrote, who writes love songs if I wasn't. But, um, you know, we, we met and we were in a relationship and you know, that song kind of blossomed from that season when we weren't together and we were trying to figure that out. And it was kind of that in-between moment where you like somebody, but 
you know, they live 600 miles away and like, you don't know how to do that, you know? And so, yeah, it just, it definitely came as like a lyric thing first, you know? I mean, obviously the song starts out with her name and that's kind of where it landed right out of the gate was like, I'm just going to say her name right away just so it feels like it's translating immediately to her. Um, and then later that day, you know, just trying to finish up writing the song, I made a very poor financial decision and spent like 2,500 bucks on a guitar and an amp. And I came home and it was like a tremolo amp. And I plugged it in and started like <laughs> around with old 50s covers. And then I applied it to the lyricism of the song. And then it just popped out in 10 minutes. And that was it. Wow. Tell yeah. us about that moment that you posted until I found you to the internet. What was going through your head? Um, yeah, I mean, it was just, there was no like ulterior motive other than like, I just want to flirt with my girlfriend on social media. Which <laughs> it was like a, like, I want to publicly like do that. And so um, that's kind of all it was, you know, I wasn't, I remember I'd sent the song to my ARs and my, I was, I was in like fresh management and, you know, I sent it to them and, and they liked it. My ARs were like, yeah, this is cool. I guess, like, it's cool, you know? And, and at this point, there had only been, you know, one song that had come out and then another single from the EP that we were supposed to drop before Until I Found You. And so I was like, oh, whatever, I'll just post it. And then it did really well. And that, and that whole conversation shifted. And it was like, oh, my God, like, this is great. we got to jump on this. Like, let's go. And it was, uh, um, yeah. So. I, love, I, love, I love how that the A&R was like kind of indifferent. And then once it was like, it was like, oh man, we got to do something with this. Um, I, I mean, it honestly may have just been my horrific voice memo that I did of it. Right, but, right. It was hard to judge. Yeah. Sure, sure. But you know, I, I just, I love the team that I work with is that they trust me so much to, um, and they allow me to like fully realize an idea in the studio. And, and they allowed me to do just that with the song. And, you know, Georgia came into the studio and she sang on the song, which made it even more special and like more of a testament to the songs, you know, love and all that. And um, yeah, so. I, uh, when we, uh, I had Pooh Bear on the show, Justin Be one of Justin Bieber's big producers on the show a couple weeks ago. And we were talking about there's a difference between a radio hit and a streaming hit sometimes until yeah. I found you was, was both, it was both a radio hit and a streaming hit. Um, but now that you, you've had it, do you feel like do you realize how hard it is to do that for especially for a newer artist um and when you're making songs now um do you care about radio play i i'm obviously you care sure. but are you actively writing for the radio is what i'm asking no you know i i think there's just this like it's like kind of a mantra if you will it's you know all the things that are supposed to happen and that are meant for me will happen you know and I, i'll do what i can to enable those things to have a, you know, a clear passage, you know, for them to unfold. But, you know, I will never, you know, write songs, you know, to be something, you know, it's just I write songs and, and hope that they become something for other people, you know. So take me out of the equation. If it's something that is important to other people and they love it and they can apply it to their life and it means something to them more than just a song, that's great. That's what I write it for, not for radio, you know. 
someday radio will disappear into nothing and then you know streaming will disappear into nothing it'll be something new wow and but the heart of it always has to be about you know the people you're writing for or someone you're writing it for you know uh yeah are you a spiritual person because it sounds like i mean in the midst of all this craziness and in, in the budding of your career like what kind of things do you do to stay grounded or any practices you know like sure i mean definitely that mantra is still a consistent one like trying to buckle over and believe in that you know um that's an everyday thing i think you know for me like faith growing up was always a huge thing and you know i'm like consistently like boxing with god or the universe if you will and i think that's a beautiful thing because it's a testament to the fact that there's an effort in believing in something and there's an effort in trying to I don't know, understand your own morality in the midst of like something that feels like overkill so great. Like when you're being like fight for something that seemingly came from somewhere else and has like been placed on you, like this is your purpose in life. Your purpose is to write songs and to love other human beings. Like that feels like a big thing for one person. And I, I think like taking off the, oh, it's it's all about me and making it about other people kind of helps that, I think, you know? um yeah so good stuff yeah your voice is so distinct one thing i really was curious about is your um vocal journey so like yeah. how did you start singing and developing your voice into the sound that it's making today sure <laughs> i think there was a ton of vocal strain when i was growing up that kind of like bled into this into this thing i don't know i grew up like listening to Lord Huron and Need to Breathe, which are like vocally entirely two different parallels. Like Ben Schneider's voice, frontman of Lord Huron is very like, you know, much in that 50s like sounding vibe, but also like feels very like mysterious and whimsical. And Bear Reinhardt of the band Need to Breathe has a lot of grit and like vibrato going on. And so I think I kind of took from those two influences growing up. Like I love vibrato. And mm -hmm. just love are you trained? Are you vocally trained? I'm trying now. I yeah, I'm doing it now because you know, gotta have a sustainable career. And man, it is it is much easier with a vocal coach. But um, yeah, so like grew up just doing that and like applying that to like singing these songs and doing it my own way. And then you know that that yeah, I guess that was kind of it. Just like trying to be these artists that I was listening to and mushing them together. Well, it's a good thing you didn't admire like screamo singers or something. <laughs> oh man, oh, man, they're great too. It's crazy. There's a whole like art to that that's just like beyond. Yeah, that. I don't get it. I don't. Yeah, I don't we, we, yeah we we just did. Uh, uh, we have an, a spinoff show with Demi where she does sit down with with people in person, and we just did one with uh, singer uh, Gigi McGree, and she actually hired. Cool a working with a person who specializes in that screaming style. So it's like a thing that, that people are, um, but so was there someone like when you were younger from that 50s, 60s era that you, you know, you, you, you were listening to Roy Orbison, you were listening to what about Elvis? Buddy Holly. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my God. I mean, come on, look at this guy. There he is. Hey. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of looking uh, like, wait a second. <laughs> I mean, I feel like every single artist had like their, their influence. Like Roy Orbison helped me vocally. Lord Huron helped me vocally. Baron Hart helped me vocally. Elvis Presley helped me to move like, and to feel that 
and to yeah just to like do that on stage like I don't know I feel like if there was uh, yeah I mean that's definitely that's definitely it that's like the only answer for it like Elvis just helped me move and be okay with moving on stage you know it's uh you have a new song out let's talk about your latest song missing you yeah um it's a, it's a duet with that. First of all, do you ever write a song and you say like, I'm not going to make people cry with this one. I feel like every song it's like, you know, I got to make at least my mom cry. With this <laughs> or something, You know, I, it's never the goal, but I mean, it, I honestly, I haven't witnessed anybody like crying to any songs yet. Maybe it, ha have you, were you crying? Are you okay? A little bit, a little yeah. bit. A little okay. smell, like, in the, yeah. Are then, you okay? <laughs> I mean, hey, crying is a great thing. It is important. It's good for your soul. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think sometimes there's, I mean, definitely with Easy On My Eyes, like that record was very personal and the turnaround was so quick and I was extremely emotional during that time. And so, I don't know, It's it's hard for me to like, to separate and think that other people would be crying to the songs, you know, and I'm just like, no, I'm going to cry too, <laughs> you know, but then I get to a point where, yes, it is true. And I'm like, man, I get sick of crying. I'm like, this is a no cry song. We got to yeah. make this. And then it just ends up being that or whatever. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 Who do you, who do you listen to anyone new, like contemporary people or most of the stuff you listen to older? I mean, I guess like, Mumford and Sons is definitely like Marcus Mumford's solo project is incredible, and I listen to that yeah. a lot because I've been a huge Mumford and Sons fan my whole life. Um, I don't know; it, it's kind of like a pick and choose thing. Like, I mean, Andy Schaff and you know Robert Francis are like these amazing songwriters that I listen to, as well as Lord Huron's a huge one for me. Um, but outside of that, you know, there's not really a ton of like artist projects like this is to it's more like singles and like small like projects or something i don't know but what was it like to get that elton john cosign to get that oh god that little to, to be that that elton john not only is aware of me right but the elton john cosign as well dylan fraser yeah, Dylan Frazier got it. Yeah, because uh, Elton John has the radio show, which is where Stephen got. And we were arguing, it's Stephen, uh, not Stephen, correct? Yeah, it's Stephen. You okay. got it. I mean, whatever. Like, whatever. I guess Steph, Stephen Curry has made everyone question whether it's Stephen or Stephen. Like, <laughs> no, I don't even know anymore. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, back to the Elton John <laughs> thing. Um, so when you made aware that he, the, did your people say like Elton John once? wants to play your song wants to interview like how, how did that whole thing come um, about it was it was a phone call my my publisher david gray called me and was like hey man this is gonna be a really weird conversation <laughs> but uh elton john wants to call you at some point on the phone <clears throat> and i was like that's so funny david you're hilarious <laughs> i was like this is, I literally told him, I was like, this is the weirdest joke I've ever heard in my life. Like, and he was like, no, seriously, dude, like he's going to call you because he wants to like feature until I found you on Rocket Hour. And I was like, okay, great. And then like weeks went by and like, I completely forgotten, forgotten about it. Cause how can you even fathom receiving a phone call from 
every hero's hero, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I was in Denver and we just played like a show at a brewery and we were at iHeartRadio in Denver about to play on the radio the next day. And I just get this random phone call. It, it had anonymous on it. And I'm it was from Atlanta, Georgia. And I was like, that's really specific and really weird. And I was like, I'll just answer it, whatever. I was like, hello? He's like, hello? <laughs> I was like, who is this? He's like, it's Elton. And I was like, oh my. I was like, oh, hi. And he was like, He's like, man, I just want to say I love you song. I'm not even gonna do the accent because it's just terrible. Like, this is back to He's like, I just wanted to say how much I love the song and I've showed it to so many people. And just like you remind me of young Chris Isaac. And he's like, Where'd you get all these influences from? And I told him about the barn situation. I was like, gosh, that's so amazing. And he's like, I can't wait to have you on next week. Like, it's gonna be so great. Like, and all that. And he's like, I just I just love the song. And he was just like going off about it. Phone call lasted three minutes and 15 seconds. Let's go. And then it was like, it was done. And I just sat there and I was like. The crazy, Stephen, the craziest thing about that story is that he personally called you ahead of the show. Oh yeah. It was that really it wasn't far. a producer saying Elton's going to do this and you're going to do this. and blah, blah, blah. It was like Elton, he personally called you. That's yeah. Insane. It was so wild. I still can't believe it. I think I'm in a fever dream every day. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so we, we talked a little bit about your, your live show a little bit. And one yeah. thing that's happened is you're, you're kind of a, a pandemic baby in that you, your career took off during the pandemic. Your, your earliest recordings go back to 2020, you know? Yeah. Um, so you didn't really have this, this, the benefit of playing clubs and bars. You're obviously too young to, be a played in clubs and bars. Totally. But you didn't have the experience of going to coffee shops or whatever for years before, you know, you became famous. Um, do you feel like, do you kind of feel like, I know you, you're very good for your success, but do you feel like you kind of missed out on the ability to kind of anonymously play clubs and bars um, in your craft? First? I mean, I did for a little bit. I mean, I played in my hometown at this hot dog place for like a year and a half. And then What's I about the hot dog like, place. Did they give I you free was, hot dogs? It was called Rufus hot dogs. Shout out Rufus hot dogs. It, hot they've dogs. like totally closed down. I think oh. now. Oh, but, we're going to tag them and everything. But man, I mean, yeah. we, uh, yeah, I used to play there every Tuesday and I would cover Lord Huron songs and like Roy Orbison songs. And then I used to lug around an amp and a microphone and my guitar around my high school and play in the cafeteria every Tuesday and Thursday for the entire lunch period, just harassing my peers with music. They let you do that? The, the, the they, yeah, I like, like, had like a <laughs> with like the principal about it. I was like, can I please do this? And like, yeah. And I was like, fantastic. See, I did the morning announcements when I was in high school, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, Jordan, you know, know that. Yeah, I did the. Can you yeah. show us like a sample? Yeah, I, well, I'd be, you know, like the the girls' basketball team won seventy five to seventy three last night. <laughs> oh yeah, with forty four points was, you know, yeah, that, that was kind of yeah. I was I was very much like the radio announcer guy in high school. Anyway, and and here I am. Look 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 how look how I ended up. Yeah. I, I mean, I would say like with all of that, like I feel like I didn't miss out entirely. I think we got like a small glimpse of it over the summer, like playing at you know the Moroccan Lounge for two nights, and then playing at you know Baby's All Right, you know New York, 
I think we got a really small glimpse of like what that was and it was really exciting and you know we even got some of that in Europe playing at smaller clubs so I wouldn't I wouldn't say entirely that we missed out I definitely feel like almost a guilt in a sense that we like skipped from babies all right like immediately to Irving Plaza like that feels kind of ridiculous well and also <laughs> for those of you who aren't uh, a New York person <laughs> babies all right is not a beginner's club it is yeah. not a anonymous you know, yeah. for people, it's for people who are already sort of well-known. It's sure. a big indie club. A lot of bigger indie acts play there. Yeah. Um, Demi, have you played babies before? You played babies before, haven't you? I actually don't know. Yeah. But you how about Hangout Fest? Oh, man. What's up yeah. with that? Are you excited? Are you scared? What are the emotions? Uh, I mean, I've never played on the beach, so that sounds exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also never been to the Gulf Shores, so that sounds really exciting too. Um, well, I've interviewed a couple people who have done Hangout Fest, and they really enjoy it. So, yeah, I mean, we only played Bonnaroo. We made so many friends, like with the artists there, and you know, Noah Khan is a great person, you know, who has been so wonderful and has given me so many opportunities, and you know, my friend Ash as well, and like you know, there's other artists that we love, like as a band, and that I love personally. And, you know, that we get to just do that with them. And it's just, it's so fun. It feels like summer camp in a way. Yeah. For a day. Yeah. And you just get to run around and do fun stuff. When you, when you do festivals and stuff, do you make, do you make, do you take time out to watch other people's sets? Or do you oh, kind yeah. of catch it? 100%. Yeah. I mean, I try and like, just like, you know, like it, it's such a community, you know, like we're all here, like expressing our hearts and like putting them on out in front of people. And it's just, it is so fun to like, have the opportunity and festivals are amazing that they create such an environment where you can go and connect with another artist while being an artist and like develop amazing friendships with these people who love what you love and like who are going through different experiences. It's just great. It's awesome. Uh, before we, before we let you go, I want to get a little bit backstory on a couple of your tattoos that I've been looking at. Boop. I know. It's totally. so we'll even give you a little full screen. We can do a full screen view here. So Uh-oh. let's, let's get the whole thing. So first, oh, hey. wow. oh, oh, that one okay. looks new. oh, there we go. Wow. Oh, look at the heart. <laughs> I'm so fascinated by tattoos. I don't have any. So I, when I see them, like, wow, look at that. I, honestly, this is the only one with sentimental value and then i think this this one as well like obviously mental health you know because i i struggle with that in my life and it's just an amazing reminder when i moved to nashville i got it because it's great you know and we're still here and uh this is for my grandma she loves betty and i love betty boop so and then the rest are just because i want to look cool that's it. Let's go. What about that big heart? Is that is that did you have anyone in mind when you're like doing that heart right there? It's uh <laughs> <laughs> it's covered in nips. Is it cool to show my nipples? I think we're yeah. It's already there. I mean, other than my heart being there, well it's kind of right here, but like yeah. That, I no, like no it's just a solid shape. That's cool. I, I like the solid, solid shape of it. Yeah. And but the but the but the Sailor Jerry like style panther on your rib cage. That, oh, yeah. That's pretty far. Yeah, man. It's, it's, I got I have one kind of lower, but that's that's for that's for the next show. That's for the next show. That's for that's for Jordan and Demi after dark. That's for the live after hour show. After hours. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. All right. And that has been uh, Stephen Sanchez, uh, a tattoo tour. Uh, all right, Stephen, we will let you go. Um, thank yeah. you so much for joining us on the show. Congratulations on all the success until I found you. And the new song is out. Uh, um, and what? so what's the next thing? What's coming up in 2023? In 2023, we are releasing this song called Evangeline. It is a 1960s R&B song. And then we're releasing an entire 1950s, 60s record that all feel like 50s and 60s songs. That is so oh. cool. That is and that's so going to be the debut record, which is so fun. Are you going to put Until I Found You on the on the record, even though it's been out, just because it's it was like the tent pole? You know, some people do that sometimes. Um, I don't know. This, I mean, probably. We'll probably end up doing that. But we're hoping that Evangeline is our sweet, sweet apple that we won't need to. So we'll see. And you are our last show of 2022. So, hey! you have, so, so, hey, so <laughs> happy new year. Happy new year. Do you have any new, are you a new year's resolution person? Totally. What's your resolution? Oh my God. I'm <laughs> going to go to therapy consistently. <laughs> good one. Good Work one. on yourself. That's a great one. one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. That is it for us. Um, thank you so much for joining us. You're having me.